Hey guys, we love honoring our military. And we have some incredible military families here at Journey Church. And, and I love what you guys do. But this weekend is about remembering those who laid down their life. Those who put their life on the line. Who lost their life even. Defending our freedoms. And the opportunity to even gather and to be able to worship in truth and in spirit as the body of Christ. And we are so thankful for those who have gone ahead and they've paid the ultimate price. But today, we just want to say welcome, man. We're so glad you guys are here on this Memorial Day weekend. And we want to honor God with our, our song, with our worship, with our praise, with everything that we can. We want to bring our very best to God. And so thank you for joining us today. If you would, I believe there's other people out there that might want to be a part of the service today as well. And if you've got friends or family, I want to encourage you to in, invite them. Share this video with them. Share, this, share an invite with them to come and be a part of this digital service. Because some of them, I promise you, want to hear the message that God has for them today. So if you would, take a minute, share this with somebody, invite them, or even call them. And say, hey, listen, I want you to be a part of today's services. I've been praying for you. And so let's pray for God just to bless our services. Father, we thank you for today. I pray that you would bless the message, the teaching of your word. God, we thank you for the songs that we've already sang, God, and what they say about you. And so, God, we believe those with everything that's in us. And we believe that, God, that you have a message for someone today. Father, for every one of us, God, you want us to draw closer to you Father, to hear from you and to apply the truth, the biblical truth from today's message. So, God, thank you for meeting with us, and I pray that you would be honored through everything that is said and done today. In Jesus' name, amen. I was around the age of 10, and for the first time, I was going camping as a Boy Scout. Look, it's hard to explain to you how excited I was in this moment, because just a few months before... My brothers had gotten new camping equipment and a new sleeping bag, and I was going to get to use it. So one of my brothers wasn't going on the trip, and he had allowed me graciously to take uh, his sleeping bag with me. And it was a sleeping bag unlike any that I had ever seen. In fact, it's referred to commonly as a mummy sleeping bag. And when you get in it, you zip it up. Your arms don't hang out nothing. It fits around your head. And the only thing exposed to the cold air generally is your nose, your mouth, and your eyes. And so we pack up and we head to the place that we're going to camp. We get out as scouts and we start putting our tents up and we're having a great time. And a buddy of mine walks over and he said, man, I don't know if you know it or not, but we're in a state park and a lot of people that are on run from the law, they, they enjoy camping in state parks. And so my joy for just a moment goes to a little bit of hesitation, but we begin to explore we walk around the campground, we find trails that we can hike, we hike to a waterfall, we have a good time, we come back that night, we start a fire, we cook our food over the fire, we do what you're supposed to do anytime that you have a campfire, and we make s'mores, and about that time, another friend of mine pulls out a bag of chocolate reasons. Now, up to this point in life, I'd never tasted a chocolate reason before, and I put it in my mouth, and I thought it was one of the best things that I've ever eaten, and before I knew it, I'd eat 10 or 15 of those, and I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but it's not a good thing to eat 10 pieces of any type of candy at one time, and so I began to feel a little bit uncomfortable, and about that time, my dad, who is a scoutmaster, goes, all right, you guys, it's time for us to go ahead and to get in our tents and for us to call it a night, and so we go, and we get in our tents and I sleep and I, I pull up I get in the sleeping bag for the first time I zip it all the way up and all of a sudden I realize that I can barely move and I'm as hot as I've ever been in my life <laughs> these sleeping bags are not made for camping in Alabama but for so somehow I managed to make it asleep and in the middle of the night I wake up and I don't know if it's the fact that I think people are on the run from the law 
that I ate s'mores and chased it with 10 other pieces of candy. But at that moment, I'm extremely uncomfortable. And I begin to rustle around inside of the sleeping bag and I fall back asleep, waking up moments later, realizing that my head is now somewhere lost inside of the sleeping bag. And I begin to rustle around and I begin to fight to try to find my way out. And at some point, I begin to think that maybe someone has sewn this sleeping bag shut and this is the way that my life is going to end at the age of 10. And I'm fighting and I'm clawing and I'm trying to get out and finally I find the hole and I burst through and I I stick my head out and I gasp for a breath and I don't sleep the rest of the night. And the next morning I hear my dad rustling around. He wakes up and I begin to explain to him what has happened. And I say, listen, last night I thought I was going to die and you slept right through it. He goes, no, I heard you rustling around. I just figured at some point you'd make your way back out. Listen, I thought in that moment that life was going to end. It was a a terrifying and frightening situation. And I want you guys to know this. We're looking at how we should respond as the church in the midst of a world that is scared. And I want you to know this right off the bat, that even when you're walking with Jesus, you will experience hard and difficult times. That even when you're walking with Jesus, when you think you're on a mountaintop and you feel like you're doing the things that God has called you to do, that even in those moments, you're going to experience hard and difficult times. Today, we're going to look at someone who experienced that. We're going to look at uh, Paul and Silas, two men who experienced a difficult time and actually found themselves in prison simply for doing the things that God had called them to do. Now, we're going to pick up in just a moment as they're in jail, but just to catch you up on what's going on, Paul and Silas have been traveling, they've been sharing the gospel, and all of a sudden, as they're walking through town, a young girl begins to follow them, and she begins to shout, these are servants of the Most High God. I'm sure the first time she shouts it, Paul and Silas are thinking, wow, somebody realizes that we're here serving God. But after a while, they realize that it's actually not her screaming, but it's a demon inside of her. And to be honest, if you're reading the passage, you get the sense that they just kind of get annoyed. And so out of annoyance, they turn around and they command the demon to leave her. And the guys who owned her, she was a slave, and the people who owned her get so upset at their loss of income that Paul and Silas end up cast in prison. They end up being beaten and cast in prison. And we pick up with them in prison right here in Acts 16, verse 25. And the passage says this. This is around midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. And the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped and he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, do not kill yourself. We are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and he ran to the dungeon and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and he asked them, look right here. He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And so here are two guys simply doing the things that God has called them to do. And they end up in the midst of a prison. But listen, in the midst of their terrifying and scary situation, God continues to work and he continues to move and he continues to draw new people to himself. And so we know this, that as believers and as followers of Christ, we understand one thing, that if we have a relationship with Jesus, 
our response to difficult situations should stand in stark contrast to the rest of the world. In other words, the way that we respond and the things that we do and the way that we act and the words that we use and the actions that back up those words should be different than the people around us. In fact, James goes so far as to say uh, that, that we should consider it joy. He says this in James chapter 1. Right here he says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. He says again, dear brothers and sisters, when you have troubles, in other words, you're going to have them. Even though you're walking with God, even though you're doing the things you believe He has called you to do, when you are still experiencing those troubles, I want you to consider it all joy. In other words, think that something good is going on because we know that in the midst of that, listen, summarize what he says, that in the midst of your difficult times, God is still working and he's still doing something. So how do we respond when we're enduring those difficult times and we're going through things that we would rather not go through? Things like we're going through right now as we're in the midst of a nation that is trying to balance the reopening of an economy and the reopening of a nation. Really, the world is trying to figure out how to reopen and at the same time, how to be safe and how to ensure that as few people as possible are infected by the COVID-19 virus. Look, it's a scary situation. So how are we supposed to respond as believers and as followers of Jesus? I believe that when we look at the account with Paul and Silas that we discover a few ways that we should respond. And the first one is this, is that we should choose to trust God more than our circumstances. That we should choose to trust God more than we trust our circumstances. Look, this will not be the last time that we find ourselves in the midst of circumstances that we do not understand, or even in the midst of circumstances where we don't clearly see how God is moving or what He is doing. This will not be the last fearful situation in your life. But in the midst of any of those situations, whether it be this one or those to come, we have a choice to make. And I would encourage you, wherever you're watching, I would encourage you to choose to trust God more than you trust the circumstances and the things going on around you. And listen, this is not a blind trust. We don't just go, man, this is just blind faith. I'm just going to choose to trust God without any proof or without any reason. In fact, I would suggest to you that God has already proven that you can trust Him. He's already proven that you can trust Him. The Bible says in the book of Psalm, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. Listen again. Taste and see that the Lord is good. In other words, God has proven already that He is good. One of my favorite restaurants is a place by the name of Dragonfly Food Bar. You can find it in the city of Fairhope, Alabama. And if you're ever there in South Alabama and you find yourself uh, in Fairhope, I would encourage you to discover and go find Dragonfly Food Bar. And the reason I like it so much is it combines two of my favorite things. One, which is unique food. Uh, in fact, he calls it fusion fusion food. The guy that owns it, a guy named Doug, he produces fusion food. And, it's, and the majority of it's in tacos. 
And so you take instant food and you put it inside of a taco. So don't get me wrong. Listen, I don't, I don't want you to go try this and think that you're going like you're going to a normal Mexican restaurant. So you're going to a place that is creating very unique style of food and tacos. In fact, the last time I was there, I got pork rinds covered in queso dip. Look, I know right now you're going, I don't know if that sounds good. I want you to know this is one of the best things that I've ever placed inside of my mouth. It was extremely amazing. And look, I know this, that I've been there enough that when I walk into Dragonfly Taco Bar, I don't have to wonder if the food is going to be good. Because I've already tasted it. And I know that it's going to be good. And that it's proven itself to be consistent time and time and time again. And I'm just saying, you guys, you have your favorite restaurants too. You know that when you're going to go there and you're going to order this type of food or this certain meal, you know that it's going to be good. And when you take your first bite, you're not wondering if it's going to taste right. You you already know as you take that bite what it's going to taste like. And you're anticipating it and you're looking forward to it. I would just suggest that if you can trust your restaurant because of past experiences, then you can trust your God because of the past experiences that you've had with him. And he's already proven a few things, hasn't he? He's proven for sure that he's good. God's already proven that he's good. He's also proven that he's in control. How many times have you been in the midst of a situation and not realized what was going on and certainly not understood what God was in the midst of doing and then you look back maybe weeks or months or sometimes even years later and you go, man, now I see exactly what God was doing. And the whole time you realize, even though you couldn't see it, you realize God was in control and he was the one calling the shots. I'd say now, I'd remind you, even though we're in the midst of a world that seems a little bit chaotic, that we serve a God who is still sovereign and he is still in absolute control. And he's also proven that he's all powerful. Our God has proven that there is absolutely nothing beyond his power. There is no situation that he cannot handle. And so I would encourage you to make the first thing, the first response. When you're in a fearful situation, I would encourage your first response to be to choose to trust God more than your circumstances. And look, here's what that trust does. It allows you to move in spite of your fear. It allows you to continue to move and continue to do the things that God has called you to do and continue to share the gospel with friends and with neighbors because you know that you serve a God that can be trusted and you know he's all powerful and you know he is in absolute control. So let me ask you this, over the last couple of weeks or, or the last couple of months or maybe even for you, it's over the last couple of years, what has your fear kept you from accomplishing? What dreams, desires and gifts has God placed inside of you that you're not pursuing because you're afraid? Maybe you're afraid something bad is going to happen. Maybe you're just afraid that you're going to fail and it's not going to work out. You ever notice that when a child learns to walk, they fall down thousands of times? I remember seeing my daughter take uh, her first step. And it's a fun moment as a parent, right? You get to experience it and you see them go from crawling to, to begin standing up, to, to begin wobbling a little bit when they stand up and falling down, to then standing up with, with assurance and with confidence. You watch them try to take steps a few times and you watch them fall on their face and then you get to experience them for the first time taking a step and realizing that they hadn't 
falling down and the expression that's on their face and the joy that you feel. But you know what happens right after that is they fall down again. <laughs> and then they take another step and they fall down again. And then they fall down again. But look, we don't look at them and go, all right, that's enough. Stop. I just want you to, to, to never walk in your life. Just give up on it completely. Just continue crawling for all of your life. No. We tell them when you fall down, you just get back up and you start trying again. I would encourage you that there are things that God has called you to do in your life. There are dreams that He has placed inside of you. There are gifts that He has placed inside of you. And the world needs the things that God has given you. And so I would encourage you to go. Don't let fear hold you back. But you go and you put those dreams and you put those gifts into practice. And you allow God to use the things that He has given you. And look, if you go and you begin to practice those things and you fall down, you simply just get back up. You get back up because you're choosing to trust your God more than you trust your circumstances. So our first response is simply the response that we see of Paul and Silas. They're in prison. They're locked in stops. They probably can barely move their legs. They've been beaten. They're as uncomfortable as you can possibly be. But we see their faith and their trust in God by their actions. We see what they do. And one of the main things that they do is they start by asking God for help. And so we do the same thing. We choose to trust God and then we ask Him for help. Look, I want you to be confident of this, that God is not bothered by your asking. He's not bothered by your asking. He's not like a bad parent who gets annoyed every time you come in and you ask Him for something or there's something on your mind or there's something on your heart. And so I want you to approach God with confidence and ask Him. Right now, if you're scared, say, God, right now I want you to give me peace. I want you to give me peace. If there's dreams that He's placed inside of your heart and gifts that you need to begin using and you don't know what to do with them, then just ask Him. God, you put this desire inside of my heart and I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing with it, but you do. And so God, would you show me? Just ask Him. And then listen, don't you dare stop asking until you receive an answer. Don't stop asking. There's a parable in the Bible about a guy who goes to his neighbor's house. Someone shows up unannounced and he doesn't have food to share with them. And so he goes to his neighbor's house and he begins asking for bread. And the Bible says that he just keeps on knocking. And so the neighbor comes to the door and actually grants his request. And it's explained this way. Uh, the, the reaction of the neighbor is explained this way in Scripture. It says, it says but I'll tell you this. Though he won't do it, in other words, talking about the neighbor giving the bread, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, this is a message to all of us, I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be open. This is Jesus telling a parable, saying that when you approach God, then you should be persistent. In fact, the scripture uses the word that because of his shameless persistence, in other words, he kept coming back. He kept knocking, right? Do you know how annoying that would be? If you're in your home, I know you're probably like me. Sometimes you hear a knock on the door and there's a little bit of a hesitation. I don't know if I'm going to go or not. (laughs) 
Right? I don't know if I want to go answer the door. I don't want to know if I want to be bothered right now. I'm not even expecting someone to be here. I know my millennial friends watching right now. I know you do not ever answer the door, nor do you ever answer a phone call. Right? I understand them. But if they keep calling back, right? if the phone keeps ringing, or they keep knocking on the door, eventually you go just to make them stop. I'm going to answer their request. And you open the door or you answer the phone. Listen, Jesus is saying this, that you should be persistent in your prayer. You should be persistent in your approaching of God. You should be persistent in asking the questions that you need answer to. And here's the goal. Here's the picture. He didn't say that you're going to annoy God so much that he's finally going to answer. But it's a contrast that if you as people who are not holy and righteous and just like God, are going to respond if someone keeps asking and keeps knocking. How much more is your heavenly Father going to respond? If you keep asking and you keep requesting and you keep coming to you. So I'd say some of you haven't received an answer to your prayers yet. Then keep going. Listen, isn't it a one and done thing? It's like, Lord, I'm going to keep coming to you. I'm going to continue bringing my child before you. I'm going to continue bringing my finances before you. I'm going to continue bringing my family situation before you. I'm going to continue bringing my job situation before you, Lord. I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep knocking and I'm going to keep asking until I'm sure that I have an answer from you. And I want you to know this, that God always answers your prayers. He don't always answer them the same, same way, but he always answers them. He answers with a yes, with a no, or with a not now. And until you're sure one of those things has been said, keep knocking, keep asking. Look, I don't know exactly what Paul and Silas were praying. I'm sure because we know them throughout Scripture, I'm sure on some level they were praying for God to be glorified and for Him to work in the midst of the situation. But they're completely human, just like me and you. And so I bet one of the things that they're praying is, Lord, you know what? We don't want to be in prison. (laughs) And so, God, would you free us? From this prison, in the midst of their prayer and in the midst of their asking, in the midst of their knocking, we also find them worshiping. And so Paul and Silas are not just praying, but they're worshiping. And look, I would suggest that your final response when you find yourself in a fearful situation is to worship. And we worship regardless of our situation. We don't worship simply when things are going good or when they're great. We don't worship when we see God moving and when we see Him acting. That's not the only time we worship. We worship regardless of what's going on around us and regardless of what we see. In the book of Habakkuk, we see this. Habakkuk was a prophet and things were not so good in the nation of Israel. And he says this. He says that even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines... And even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, and though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, look, that just means things are really bad. Even though things are really bad, I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. So even though things don't make sense, and even though I don't understand what's going on around me, I'm going to worship anyway because I serve a God That deserves it. And look, I want you to know that regardless of what situation you find yourself in, there's always a reason to worship. Even when things around you are falling apart and they seem horrible and they seem unbearable, there's always 
a reason to worship. And I want you to know this. Listen, you don't always choose what goes on around you, but you do choose what you focus on. What you focus on is always your choice. Look, it's my choice. Things can be horrible in my life, but it's my choice what I focus on. It's not the choice of the people who are doing things that I don't like. It's not the choice of a virus that is running through the nation. It's not the choice of a politician who is making decisions that I don't agree with. It's my choice what I focus on. And I can always choose to focus on things that are praiseworthy. In fact, we have that command in Philippians 4.8. Paul tells us, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Look, Fix your thoughts. In other words, it's your choice. Choose to focus your thoughts on these things, on what is true, on what is honorable, on what is right, and on what is pure and lovely and and, and admirable. And think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. It's our choice. What we focus on. And I want to encourage you right now. I don't know what situation you find your life in. Maybe you're terrified to go outside. Maybe you're terrified to go to Walmart. Maybe you're afraid that the world is never going to get back to some sense of normalcy. Maybe your job is driving you crazy right now. Maybe the decisions that politicians are making are decisions that you would not make and that you don't agree with. Maybe you don't agree with the decisions that we're making as a church. Maybe you don't agree with the decisions that other churches are making or businesses are making but regardless of what's going on around you it's your choice and your choice alone what you focus on and the bible commands us to focus on things that are praiseworthy and on things that are good and so our response is to worship and we worship because we choose to focus on the things that are good and regardless of how bad things are in your life you have a god who has promised never to leave you And never to forsake you. And he is always, always worthy of your worship and your praise. Look, you want to change the situation that you're in right now, then begin to worship. Begin to worship. A moment of confession as we we begin to wrap things up. And I hope you hear this in the spirit that I say it. But when when the coronavirus first hit, there was a little bit of, of relief when we began to shut things down. And it was, man, we're going to have extra time and I don't know about you but I thought of all the good things that I was going to do with the extra time that I had and I found that that those things began to slowly get eaten up by other things now don't don't get me wrong at at the church we've probably worked harder certainly a lot of the guys that are in this room with me right now have worked harder uh, than we had before before this ever happened and before it hit but all the extracurricular things of my life have disappeared and it gave me tons of free time that I didn't have before. And I thought, you know what I will do with that time is I'll spend it with God. I will spend that time with God. I'll spend more time reading scripture. I'll spend more time just studying, not just reading, but man, digging into things and understanding them. And I slowly began to see that that was not happening. And four and five weeks in, I realized that I'm not spending more time with God. In fact, I'm spending less. That the time that I'm spending with him hadn't increased and I've allowed other things to eat up that time that I had. And they were good things, right? I did things like, like a grandpa would do. I planted a garden. I made sure that my yard was green, right? This is my yard looks better than it ever has in the history of mankind right now. And there weren't bad things that I were doing, but they were not the best things. And so several weeks ago, when God brought that to my realization, there were some decisions that I had to make. And I chose to begin to focus on 
who he was. And look, the first thing that I did to invite God into a situation that was not going the way that it ought to be going was I popped on a worship playlist and I just began to worship. I began to sing the songs that were playing on my television and I just began to worship God in my living room and I invited God in to change the situation that I was in the middle of. Look, if you want God to change the situation that you find yourself in the midst of right now, I'd say one of the first things that you should do is begin to worship. Paul and Silas are literally in prison for something that they have not done and they began to worship in the middle of the night, around midnight, because they can't sleep, because their bodies are aching and they can't relax. They simply began to worship. They focus on God and not their situation. And God does something incredible. Look, here's God's response. His response was to show up. He showed up. And he performed a miracle. And all of a sudden, men that were in chains were in chains no more. Listen, when God shows up, things change. And regardless of what you see, you can be confident of this one fact, that God is still working. In the midst of a world filled with chaos, God's still working. Look, I finally made my way out of that sleeping bed that night, and it was with great joy that I got out of there. And at no point in that did my dad reach over and unzip that sleeping bag for me. And so that situation never changed. But you know what changed was my knowledge of knowing how to get out of that sleeping bag. And from that point on, any time I zipped up that sleeping bag, I knew that regardless of what happened in the middle of the night, I could get out of it. And so my situation never changed, but who I was did. Because a simple illustration to share a biblical truth, that when you choose to trust God, and when you choose to back that trust up with actions, and you spend time with Him, you bring your request before Him, and you worship, God's going to move, and He's going to act. And regardless of whether or not your situation changes or not, you will, you'll change You'll be different and you'll have the confidence to walk through difficult and scary situations knowing that the same God that freed Paul and Silas is still active and working today. And so as you face scary and difficult situations, I want to encourage you to walk with confidence because your God is able and he's active and he's working and he's moving. Here's a few next steps for us today. The first one is this. It's simply to trust Jesus. If at no time in your life you've given your life to Christ, we want you to know this, that God came, that Jesus came. He gave his life for you so that you could be forgiven of the sins that you've committed so that you could spend an eternity with God. And his desire for you over anything is for you to confess that sin and to trust him for salvation. If that's a decision you've never made, I want to encourage you to make that decision right here today. Look, let us know. In just a moment, we're going to wrap this service up. There's going to be a number that you can text and you can say, today, that's a decision that I'm wanting to make. Make that decision. Let us walk through with you what that means. And then you can live in such a way that others notice Jesus. At the end of our story, we realize that when Paul and Silas are worshiping, that other people notice their worship. And ultimately, there's a jailer. Someone who's supposed to be watching them and guarding them notices what their God has done. And he finds himself at their feet saying, Sirs, I want to know this Jesus. And so I want to encourage you that as we continue to walk through scary and difficult times to live in such a way that other people look at you and say, I want to know their Jesus. God, thank you for working and moving. 
We pray you continue to do it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks, Pastor Daniel, for that great message, challenging us to respond in the right way to difficult situations. And we have obviously been dealing with that. If you've made a decision, man, we want to know. We have an incredible teaching team. I'm so thankful for the guys on our staff. And, and man, I'm, I'm thankful that they want to walk with you, you know, and they want to help you in the next steps ahead. So if you've made a decision, man, if you will, text that to us. My decision to the number listed below. We want to walk with you on this journey. And if you've got kids, mom and dad, you know, maybe maybe they're asking questions. I want to encourage you to stay around for the, the message that uh, Pastor Nate and the family team have put together at the end of the service that is just for them. And, uh, you know, the great thing is that childlike faith is what it takes. And so, Mom and Dad, I'd encourage you to stay and watch that. But before we move into our, ki- our kids' service, I want us to take the time to, to bring our tithes and our offerings to God. You know, and I want to encourage you to put God first in this area of your life. This is one of the great places where we have an opportunity to apply the, even the truth for today. You know, but if you would, there should be some things there on the screen that will kind of show you how to do some online giving. You can mail it in. There's so many ways that you can be a part of this. But this is part of our worship. And we have several videos that will help you on how to do that. But we just want you to be faithful in this area. And I'm just telling you, you can trust God when it comes to the finances. And it's the best thing that we can do to be a, a witness not only to those around us, but to our family. And so I want to just uh, close out in a time of prayer. Father, I thank you for today. And God, I thank you for just uh, the tithes and offerings that people have been so faithful to return to you. God, it's yours. It's not ours. And God, you've blessed us. You've taken care of us throughout this pandemic. God, you have even expanded our uh, Father, our influence, if you will, uh, through being online. And so, God, I thank you for those who invited someone today. I thank you for those who, who reached out to a friend or maybe they called someone and asked them to be a part of the service today. God, thank you for the message that you put on Pastor Daniel's heart today. God, we do want to be fearless as a church. God, we want to walk in confidence and in trust. And God, we trust you with our finances. And God, we trust you to use us as your vessel, Lord Father, making a difference all around the globe, uh, Lord Father, for your kingdom. That is our our prayer, God. We just pray that right now, Lord Father, that you would be honored in every possible way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.